G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's spend a few minutes exploring some ways we can take special care of our own mental health and keep a close eye on those around us. Because mental health issues are much more common today and perhaps some of the stigma is disappearing, the next step to a simple awareness maybe to build our mental health by focusing on a number of priorities which build good mental health in our own lives and in the lives of others. Well, back with us today is aged care chaplain Ben Boland. He typically writes and speaks about aged care ministry. He's co-author of a couple of booklets, Jesus Loves Me and Joy to the World. They're part of the Hammond Care and Bible Society Faith for Life suite. He also writes for Eternity News on aged care issues. Today, some insights from Ben on dealing with mental health issues. Ben, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's always wonderful to be with you and your listeners. And Ben, first of all, you've had your own battles with mental health, and we might talk about this in the context of a chaplain. Uh, Give us your own story here briefly. Yeah, I've lived with depression, lived with the black dog, if you will, uh, for most of my adult life since I was mid-teens. So that's quite a while now. Um, So that's significant for my personal life. Um, I I see my doctor regularly about that. I have a counsellor and I'm on medication, which really all really helped me. but it's not been an easy time. Um, and that's just, I guess, my personal reality. And as a chaplain, I often deal with people who are struggling with their own mental health issues, both residents and staff, but also volunteers and family members. Um, mental health is not limited to only one particular demographic in society. Ben, I'm impressed with the way you describe how you handle uh, this depression because when you talk about the black dog, uh, you say it's like having a pet. You actively have to care for the pet. Give us some insights here into how the black dog is a bit like a pet. Well, like a pet, it's a case of being responsible. Now, you can have a pet and ignore it, um, but that's no good for the animal or for you, to be ruthlessly honest. Um, so for me, if I can think about my depression as an, someone on somewhat unwanted pet, but one that needs exercise, one that needs to be fed well each day, um, mentally, physically, and emotionally, um, and it is—it's like a pet in that it's a daily responsibility. It's not something you can dip into and then go on holidays from. You can choose different clothes to go on holidays, but your head goes with you. We'll talk about some of the ways you can work on a good mental health regime. But Ben, mental health challenges, much more common than most of us expect. Yeah, the stats say about 20% of Australian adults each year will struggle with mental health. Um, My personal suspicion is it's actually probably slightly higher than that. But yeah, again, the stigma around it means that people don't necessarily report or effectively live with um, the challenges of mental health. 
And of course, mental health, uh, a broad terminology, but how do you define that? What are the sort of ways that it presents itself in people's lives? Basically, it's good mental health is mental health that allows you to function effectively. And bad mental health or poor mental health is mental health that impairs your ability to function, to work, contribute, to engage effectively in life. So while you've got this issue around depression, the black dog, others are facing conditions uh, like we're hearing about the epidemic of anxiety around COVID issues and uh, those who are abusing some various illicit substances. Uh, that's the sort of trigger or cause for a lot of uh, what's going on so far as these ways it works in practice. Yeah, um, most definitely those two uh, significant issues. I mean, the stats say that depression, anxiety and substances are three most common types of mental health issues. Um, but they're much like other health issues. There is a vast range of different mental health issues. And I just want to touch briefly on that substance thing. It's not simply illicit substances that can be problematic for someone. Um, if there's a substance you can't live without in your life, whether that's a beer or a wine at the end of the day, or cigarettes, or alcohol, um, then you probably need to learn to live without it. And if we're reliant on any substance, whether that's coffee or a beer, that's not good for mental health. Now, you're in a rural area in southeast Queensland. Uh, what do you know about the prevalence of mental health challenges and even suicide uh, in country areas in Australia? The short version is it's much higher. Um, Mental health um, statistics for rural and regional areas are much higher. Our rate of suicide is much higher too. Um, so it's more of a concern, at least statistically outside of the cities, but it's a concern for everyone right throughout Australia. Um, the two big um, risk groups in terms of mental health, in terms of suicide specifically, um, are the young male, the sort of 16 to 25-year-old young male. Um, and the second group is actually the older male, the 85-plus-year-old male. So um, it's one of those conditions where blokes are disproportionately affected, um, particularly regarding suicide. And an area in your aged care chaplaincy, which is no doubt vital in your understanding. Hey, you talk about some common myths around mental health challenges. Uh, what are the most common ones that people are up against? Um, I think there's four ones that I keep running across. Um, the first of those is that mental health is all in your head. Now, clearly mental health is in your head. That's why it's mental health. Um, but we wouldn't say to someone with a broken arm, well, your broken arm's all in your arm, just get over it. That's just foolish, isn't it? And that comment, just get over it, is probably that second myth. The suggestion, again, that somehow because it's a cognitive or mental issue, you can outthink it. Now, there's cognitive behavioural therapy and counselling and talking can be really effective with mental health, but it's not as simple as just get over it. I think the third thing we see, um, and particularly I think this is an issue for blokes, is the view that asking for help if you're struggling with your mental health is a sign of weakness. Um, and if we actually think about that again, it doesn't make much sense. If I, again, I'll pick on a broken arm. If I had a broken arm, no one's going to say, 
oh, well, don't go to the doctor. You can just tough it out. That would be foolish. Now, I may recover, but my arm would be constantly and irreparably damaged because I didn't seek medical help. Um, and the fourth one, and this is particularly important for us as Christians, is that sometimes I've heard um, both in conversations from Christians and at times even from the pulpit um, that Christians don't get mental health or that if Christians have mental health issues, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity or some foolishness like that. Um, none of us would be foolish enough to say that, I'll pick on the broken arm again, that someone's broken arm is a result of their no lack of faith or them not being Christian enough. Now, it could be related to that. If they were being reckless and driving badly or illegally and you break your arm in an accident, there's a clear link between your sin and your illness. Um, but equally, you can just be walking down the street or doing all the right things and slip or fall or a car comes across and busts your arm, um, being a Christian doesn't make us immune from pain. In fact, I think Scripture says that we are to expect pain at least this side of heaven. So we're not immune from mental health challenges, but there's got to be a few extra tools in the toolbox by which we can begin to address those things in a really effective way. What is it about being a Christian that helps you in a day-to-day ability to be able to handle those mental health challenges? Well, I think to start with, mental health plays on your thoughts and your feelings. And as Christians, we have something that is much more reliable than our thoughts and our feelings, and indeed undergirds our thoughts and feelings. And that's Scripture. Scripture tells us that God created us. He created us in Him, His image, and He loves us. In fact, He loves us so much, He sent His Son to die for us. So when we're dealing with mental health issues, and for myself, there are times I feel really, really unlovable. And it's good for me to be able to go back to Scripture and say, I may feel unlovable. I may feel all kinds of things, but God loves me. My feelings are not the ultimate reality. God is, and he loves me. And I imagine that level of assurance or that level of foundation has to be a regular part of as that dog needs to be fed, that pet, Mm. as you were saying, that needs to be a part Mm. of a daily routine to reinforce the truth that God does love us, that we do have purpose. Yeah, um, God loves us, and purpose is that second thing that comes in here too. Um, One of the things that the secular research has proven around maintaining good mental health is that we all need meaning and purpose. The challenge is that while there's a diversity of things that can give you meaning and purpose, um, again, if I pick on blokes, often our career or our work gives us meaning and purpose. And on one level, that's okay. But if our meaning and purpose is reliant on our work or our strength or our beauty or our family, all of those things fade and change over time. Um, So Scripture not only gives us assurance of who we are in terms of personality and value, but it gives us meaning and purpose that is immutable, um, uncompromisable, unchangeable. 
And that actually builds and is a great blessing for Christians in terms of maintaining good mental health. Ben, what do you think priorities are in a practical sense if you're wanting to build your own good mental health regime? What are the things you need to have at the heart of your daily routine? I think there's there's eight good things that are, are quite simple, and most of these apply not simply for our mental health, but for our health generally. So the first is social connection. We need to get out, and one of the great blessings for Christians quite apart from the spirituality of church, is that church provides us with social connection. Regular exercise, healthy diet, good sleep, those are things that we all know we should be doing for all kinds of health, cardiovascular and otherwise. We need to manage our stress. Again, we tend to think of stress as a bad thing, but work is a blessing. Work predates the fall. It's good to work, but we also need to have good rest. We need to check in with our doctor, our GP. As I said before, we've got to touch and be careful about our substance use. If there's something we can't live without, we need to learn to. And finally, point eight is that whole meaning and purpose thing. We need good mental health requires meaning and purpose. And as Christians, our meaning and purpose is to glorify God. And that is unchangeable. If we put ourselves in the centre of our own families or our own community groups, uh, this idea of self-care, the start of all care, if you've got some of those bases covered, then you're able to be a support to others who you can recognise. They don't have those sorts of bases covered. How good is this when you're actually dealing with the people that you mix with on a daily basis and being able to keep an eye on their mental health? Well, it's more than simply keeping an eye on, by modelling those eight practices of healthy mental health, we're assisting them to have healthy mental health. So by simply being present and engaging with them and doing those things ourselves, we help them. And that's one way self-care flows just naturally through. And clearly, if our mental health is not wonderful, it limits our ability to care for others. So Self-care is really critical. I think at times we forget that there were times when Jesus had the crowds come after him and he retreated to a solitary place to pray. There will always be more needs than we can care for. Um, We need to provide ourselves with self-care and that's part of being reliant on God, realising I can't fix everything. The world doesn't need me. The world needs Jesus. And I need to care for myself as part of that. Wonderful insights as always, Ben Boland. And Ben, as I mentioned in the introduction, the author or co-author of two booklets, Jesus Loves Me and Joy to the World, part of the Hammond Care and Bible Society Faith for Life suite. He also writes for Eternity News on aged care issues. Some insights today on mental health issues. But if you want to connect with Ben Boland, you can find his YouTube presentation, Jesus Love in Aged Care. You can find him on LinkedIn and the Jesus Loves Me book, as I mentioned, the Hammond Care and the Bible Society. Wonderful getting your insights once again. Ben Boland, thanks for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you for the opportunity, Neil. It's been lovely. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 